0: Hey guys, this is Colin from Blackjack Apprenticeship, and I am joined with Andy Yule, former card counter, current casino manager, and the author of Blackjack Insiders. This is his second time on the podcast. Andy, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing great, Colin. It's good to be back with you. How are you? Good,
0: good. People really enjoyed your podcast last time, and I was just telling you before we started, I went down some deep rabbit trails of research for this um but starting off how are you doing with all this uh, coronavirus stuff
1: it's uh, it's been interesting we're uh, i'm almost 40 days removed from from being in a casino and uh it feels good to tell you the truth i obviously i hate to see the world in peril but um you know it's given me some time to kind of focus on some personal things and uh it's, it's it's pretty eerie in Las Vegas though. Nobody nobody working and nobody being in casinos and basically our whole state economy being on hold, right? Yeah. Yeah.
0: And I've been trying to read, you know, it seems like it's changing every day in the news about about Las Vegas specifically and and then there was some fun uh viral interview
1: with the mayor of Las Vegas. I don't know if you caught any of that. You fun you say. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I caught that. Uh, I would preferred not to be in a control group, yeah, but but uh, the mayor's gonna say what she's gonna say. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's we could go down a, a a deep uh you know conversation about that. But I was gonna ask, being being home more, have you been writing much?
1: Uh yeah, quite a bit actually. I I uh, I turned in a manuscript to uh, our editor, uh, Colin, and I have the same editor and. Received some notes back on it. Started a new project too. So yeah, I've been doing a lot of writing actually.
0: Is it is it the uh, fiction you were working on before?
1: Yes, yes. And the next one is fiction too. But I've done some other stuff too. I've done some uh, some writing for my website and some stuff uh, for for our podcast for the Dropbox with Louie Allison. I've been doing some stuff for that too. So it's it's, it's been good to kind of be able to focus on some other things.
0: So I, I've been listening to some of those, uh, you've been enjoying doing the Dropbox with Willie.
1: It's been great. Yeah. It's been, Willie's been awesome. He's been a, he's been a good friend. He's been a good partner. Uh, the, the episodes have been really fun to do with him. just, just a great guy to talk to. And, uh, it's awesome to be doing that with him. That's cool. I saw your most recent one
0: was about, uh, coronavirus. And I've read your blog post about cleanliness or rather the lack of cleanliness in casinos. Can you give uh, our listeners maybe like the Notes version of what you guys discussed?
1: Yeah, we sort of just talked about how in general casinos have always been un- unclean and unsanitary just by the nature of being so close to everybody and all touching the same surfaces and with the chips and the cash and the you know, the tables and everything else that everybody's touching all day long. Um, so this, the situation that we're in is kind of forced us to maybe re-examine some of these things. And that's what Willie and I do in the, in the podcast is present, you know, we go over some ideas that have already been presented and we present some ideas of our own about how to, how to lessen germ exposure and lessen just these, these problems.
0: Yeah. What do you think that's going to, going to look like? Is it going to be Employees wearing masks and gloves, players wearing masks?
1: I think at first, yeah, at first there's going to be masks required. Uh, it's, it's hard for me to project, but I I think that's the way that it should be. Uh, it's, it's it's looking like that's what's going to happen. Of course, and if it doesn't happen, then I look like an idiot, but... Uh, <laughs> It, seemed, it seems like the way to go, really, and I don't know how long that lasts. Um, but, yeah, I definitely think we should see some big changes at the beginning um, and then probably not so much after a little while. Is that going to be, you think, players wearing masks, too? I, it, it, you know, like I said, it's hard to project, but I, I think that's what should happen, especially if if somebody's going to be in a casino, a patron, where they're going to be in within you know, that six foot range of employees, then they should be wearing masks. And due to the nature of table games, that's everybody, right? That's every customer. Yeah. So if I think if people are gonna be playing table games, they should have to wear masks.
0: And do you think that's gonna result in um more ID checks of players? More what? I'm sorry. Checking a player's ID. You know, let's, I'm thinking about, you know, if I'm, if I'm a card counter and I go sit down at a player or or go sit down at a table and I'm wearing a mask and then I'm betting any significant amount of money, are Casino's going to use that as an opportunity to say, well, we need to see your ID more often than is currently the case.
1: I, I don't think so. Uh, As far as like advantage play identification, it's more about the play than the face anyway. Okay. More about watching watching what's going on on the table. I talked about that with Willie. I think we even talked about it on a podcast that like he's not really looking at people's faces Mm -hmm. and the more recognizable players should still be able to be recognized, even if they're even if their mouth and nose is covered. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Personally, how how are you feeling about, you know, going back to work with with this virus still active? Well, it doesn't appear to be something I'm going to have to worry about for a while. Mm hmm. I've been pretty happy with the way overall with the the way the governors handled it. So I think by the time we are able to go back to work, it's going to be done the right way. I'm pretty confident that that's going to be the case. Uh, That being said, we'll have to wait and see. You know when it happens. (laughs) Yeah. What
0: What's the latest? You know, word on the street of, of when casinos are hoping to reopen.
1: Oh, any word on the street is just pulled from what somebody thinks or projects, anyway. So there's there's no there's been nothing from anybody that. matters (laughs) matters <laughs> about official dates, or projected uh-huh. dates, or even target dates. I mean, I,
0: I, you know, this, again, the information's changing daily, but if, if this, if it could be a year, year and a half before there's a vaccine, I mean, casinos aren't going to wait that long.
1: No, no, of course not. Uh, I think the general consensus is sometime June, early June, maybe even late May. But, mm-hmm. but as I said, there's been no official word on that. Uh, Sisolak was, just, yeah. our governor was just on the news last night saying it's not today and it's not tomorrow. Uh, yeah. They always try to get a date out of them, but it's, mm-hmm. there's just no way to say for sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I anything they say now is going to, we're going to have drastically different data and circumstances in, in a month. Uh, or even in two weeks than now. so I just thought I'd ask what what the word is there in in uh, Ground Zero in Vegas?
1: Yeah, they tried that. you know, they tried that saying that we're gonna close for two weeks. we're gonna close for a month. you know they they tried that initially and it just didn't work. so I think I think now we're all just kind of playing it by ear. Yeah.
0: okay, well, let's move on. Um, one of so I, I just listened this morning to your, Dropbox podcast episode on card counting. And Willie said that AP, you know, that kind of the word on the street for him was that APs had moved on to other pastures or even kind of thumbed their noses up at card counters, but it's back. Card counting is back. Um, and you know, I think, I think that probably was, was the case, you know, 10 years ago, I always just stayed strong. Like card counting was good, good to me. So (laughs) kept doing it and, and had no problem training people to do it and just been quietly doing our thing, but you you stated that card counters are in a better position now than in a long time. Can you kind of break down why you think that is?
1: Well, a lot of it doesn't even have to do with the counters themselves. It has to do with the casinos being unprepared for them.
0: Mm -hmm. You know,
1: I talk, I talk a lot about the growing availability of training and of places to play for counters. And while all that is growing, the training on the casino side is shrinking it's getting more dated. So, uh, the training
0: on the casino side is getting, getting
1: worse. Uh, not getting worse, but it's the, it's the same training as it was 20 years ago, 25 years ago. Uh, there's not a lot of new information and there's not a lot of people to administer that new information that can administer it accurately. So while everything is growing for the player, it's shrinking for the other side and that, you know, results in what we talked about
0: you also talked about that that floor supervisors are responsible
1: for more tables than they used to be absolutely yeah when i when i started watching blackjack when i you know i talk about it in the book a little bit um where i used to watch four tables that was my section four and i think the big section was six back then
0: mm-hmm.
1: and uh now i've it's it's pretty common to see floor supervisors watching eight tables yeah yeah so
0: that makes me think of of waiting tables. With my last real job, um, and and I remember, you know, if I, when I started out as a waiter, I I was responsible for like three tables because you don't have to be that good to, to like take care of three tables. And and then when you get better, you get four table sections or six or you know if you want to make the good money and you're really good, you got eight tables. But there's just no way to like keep up on eight people or eight tables worth worth of you know, people at at your restaurant or whatever. I I can't imagine a floor supervisor doing all the tasks he's responsible for, for that for that many tables. So then, it's more on surveillance or
1: well, it's definitely harder to do it accurately. You know, there's what's being done is being done and just passing by. It's not. I mean people are guessing all the time at where this money has gone and where that money has gone and mm. who took this. So yeah, it's, it's there's definitely no way to be accurate with eight full tables of customers. Just to reinforce your point. Do you
0: think that do you think that floor supervisors are just uh backing off more non-winning players because you know they can they don't have the time to
1: analyze the player or no. Usually, floor supervisors aren't the ones to make the back off, anyways. But I, but I definitely think they're. Okay. I definitely think, in general, the casino spends more time than they should on non-winning players, because they don't they, they mm-hmm. just don't have the correct resources to evaluate and to decide who to evaluate. Mm-hmm. So, do you think they're just calling up to surveillance more often and just
0: wasting those resources that more than they used to? I don't know about more than
1: they used to because I, you know, I, I've only been in the business okay. for 10 years, but I, but I know that they do it to an excessive degree. Uh, there's a lot of just simply winning players that are being evaluated for, to me, no good reason. I think I, I wrote, so I wrote a post about this. Yes. I read it recently and told a, told a story about when I was playing, I was playing green chips and there was a guy next to me playing black chips. I, of course, was counting and he was doing nothing other than just guessing and playing and winning. And uh, the floor supervisor made a call upstairs where I could get over here and him here ask for an evaluation on my table, which, of course, would make anybody nervous. Yeah. Um, but I overheard that it was for the other players, for the guy that was winning. I was getting my butt kicked playing green chips, so he wasn't worried about me. He was worried about the guy that was winning, just guessing.
0: The wag, the wild ass guesser.
1: Yeah, the WAG system. I'm a big fan of the (laughs) WAG system. Uh, The wild ass guesser, exactly. So they evaluated this guy, and you know, surveillance had to had to do their whole review on him, and I assume had to do their whole uh, rundown and voice analysis and everything on a player that really had no reason to even do that. That's funny.
0: So, at the end of the podcast uh, about card counting, you and or Willie Willie says, you know, maybe we. Uh, could improve the training. And I was thinking like, Hey, I'd be happy to offer training to surveillance personnel, but it's going to be on the WAG system. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to give any card counting training, but
1: (laughs) that's, that's, they kind of need that. Right. I mean, not just surveillance, but like (laughs) in general, they kind of need to be able to recognize somebody that's not, card counting.
0: (laughs) Well, I'm going to, I'm going to start Wag Apprenticeship because that sounds Uh, well. Okay. So, so answer this. If you were playing now as a card counter, how would this information, you know, the, how things have shifted, how would that impact your approach?
1: I would stay longer and play harder. And, you know, I used to be a little worried about longevity. Mm -hmm.
0: Would you wait for a call to surveillance before sweating if you think, you know, the average floor person doesn't have the training?
1: At least, at the very least. And even after that, um, I would probably still stay for a little while because they're going to, you know, the evaluation process takes some time.
0: That's That's really interesting. So, okay, I want to go down. I want you to go down this rabbit trail with me. So bear with me. I think I think this is going to be worth it. Okay. Um, Willie asks you, is card counting more of a threat than 20 years ago? And you said, yes, the training is better for players. The training is worse for casinos. And there are just more casinos, which you kind of sum, summed up for us a few minutes ago. And I can imagine every casino operator, you know, surveillance or or casino manager listening to that and kind of panicking that card counters are this huge threat, but I kind of want to put this into perspective. So I looked up the total revenue of the gambling market in the United States over the last like 15 years. I did a little research and I'm happy to provide anyone that wants it, you know, where I found all this information, but some quick math says that gaming, not just casinos, but gaming produces an average Vegas profit of $189 million a year. Okay. And by my math, card counters collectively cost, based on, you know, you were saying maybe 300 to 400 card counters can make a living off of it. Not to mention all the wannabes that are losing money trying to count cards, which I know there are a lot of because I get their emails all the time. Um, But collectively, I would think card counters cost casinos about one thousandth of a percentage of those gaming profits. So... We're basically card counters are basically a rounding error to casinos profit margins. Don't you think casinos could just make that up by dealing more rounds per hour with better deck penetration?
1: Yes <laughs> I've been an advocate for deeper deck penetration for years uh, it's that's a tough point to get across to uh, to people that are higher up though
0: so so you wrote in a blog post about you know the the casino countermeasure of half shoeing a suspected card counter. And how it costs money, which I, I totally agree with the premise, but why not take it further? Why not move the shuffle back to a deck? It, you know, if if every round or or every, you know, minute spent shuffling rather than dealing is costing money, why, you know, why not advocate for deeper deck penetration because you're gonna make up for it so much more so by rounds per hour for the ninety-nine point nine nine percent of the gamblers that that
1: aren't a threat? Sounds so simple, doesn't it? <laughs> You're absolutely right. Okay, so I'm, I'm pushing for a quarter deck,
0: <laughs> quarter deck cutoff. <laughs> I remember speaking at the World Gaming Protection Conference a number of years back. Uh, Willie asked if I would speak, and, and I during my talk, I kind of broke down how the church team, this team that I ran, this feared blackjack team that beat casinos for millions of dollars. When you actually break down the math, we cost each casino less than a thousand dollars a year, <laughs> which is probably less than they're spending on coffee for their surveillance workers. Yes, yeah. and and I did the math, and during the years the church team ran every for every dollar casinos made, which all this stuff is on the internet, how much you know casinos made for every dollar casinos made, we cost casinos three thousandths of a penny. <laughs> You know, so again, we're, we're kind of this, this rounding error, but after I was done speaking, there was this line of surveillance operators wanting to ask me how they could better catch card counters.
1: It's a hot topic.
0: I guess I'm just, it, it feels like the ultimate case of casinos being penny wise and pound foolish. Uh, I mean, of course I benefit, right? If, if card counters can count cards more, but, uh, and casinos can't just let, they can't let card counters just sit endlessly at every casino, but. Is there a way of helping casinos put the threat of card counters into perspective rather
1: than, you know,
0: thinking that this is the biggest
1: threat? I it's, I, I hope so. I've been trying to do it for a long time. <laughs> uh, for years now, I've been trying to do that. So uh, I'm just one man. <laughs> there's, only, there's only so yeah. much a guy can do, but, but you're exactly right. I mean, that I, I talk about that all the time, how just the amount of resources and in- the amount of effort that goes into catching and detecting and preventing card counters is ludicrous it just is <laughs> hmm. that's interesting
0: i mean i'd understand if if card counters were the biggest threat to casinos i'd understand you know the panic and the the extreme measures it seems like they take but it it does it feels a little silly when you kind of like break down the math of it but um
1: you know i guess what are what are you going to do um okay we exactly you could, i mean there's only so much you can do <laughs> yeah
0: well, you know what? Maybe maybe there's like two casino personnel listening to this that are going to say, "You know, maybe I shouldn't panic the next time I think someone's a card counter."
1: And if you want to panic, you know, my message is, has been if you want to panic, then acquire the adequate training to be able to panic sufficiently. <laughs>
0: yeah. So, so that brings me to kind of the next topic. You know, let's casinos are Gonna see advantage players as as undesirables, you know. <laughs> However you want to take it. Um, so I wanted to talk a little bit about backoffs. I thought it was interesting um, what you and Willie said about bringing security to backoffs. Is that something that you think can or will change over time as it becomes less of like the old school Vegas mentality? Or are casinos always gonna some casinos gonna try to throw their weight around to intimidate advantage players?
1: I think there's still a lot of that out there way too much. Uh, and I still kind of just shake my head when I see a couple of security officers going with the pit boss over to, over to make a back off. It's just like, why is this, it, it, it's going back to the resources thing. You know, these security officers are supposed to be, they've got some important stuff they're trying, they're supposed to be doing, you know, and not providing muscle for the, for the pit boss. It's asking somebody not to play anymore. Mm. Even when I've made backoffs, I've been advised to take security along, and I just, I just don't. For the most part, it's, there's, I don't want to waste anybody's time, and uh, it's just not a, not a necessary measure. But it, but it is something, you know. There's that old school us against them, and it's the card counters are the bad guys, and the vigilante mm-hmm. security needs to be there, and it's just silly.
0: Well, I mean, I was thinking there there's a cost of the security guard's time, but not to mention when one of these, you know, untrained, maybe not like super bright, security guards oversteps his his bounds and and then there's a lawsuit, you know. But, yeah,
1: which um, a lot of us have had experiences or near experiences with. Yeah, you
0: know? Yep. So, okay, I I want to not just look at the the side of, you know, the casino, but you you mentioned hostile players. Can you give any examples of kind of a hostile advantage player that, that got backed off?
1: Um, I, I had one get a little uppity uppity with me and just kind of start yelling and stuff like that. And I, it happened to be one of those times that I didn't have security with me, but they you know they came over pretty quick. And um, he wasn't violent or anything, but he was kind of screaming and made a scene. And I don't know if it was just to, just oh, wow. to make a show or. If he was really that upset about it, because you'd think, you know, advantage players kind of know that it's coming sooner or later. (laughs) And most and most of us, us, I say us, most of the advantage players don't want to make a scene. They don't want to be memorable.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. So, yeah, I've only had that that one time, but. Usually, when Willie and I talk about hostile players, we're talking about just the average guy that gets drunk and rowdy. Uh huh.
0: Well, okay. I mean, I guess what I'm saying is I went on a long rant about how casinos should maybe, you know, ease off of of card counters. But I also want to say, how can we as advanced players, um, you know, uh, make these interactions
1: go better for for everybody? Is, any advice? <laughs> Uh, this, the same advice or the same method that you know I say in the in, in my book that we, that you're supposed to take is just say okay and and leave don't don't be memorable, don't be confrontational, don't be a smart ass you know give, give them no reason to to get carried away if there's no reason to get carried away then they probably won't do, do you think that um, I mean maybe Vegas isn't
0: the same as the rest of the country but I, I guess I'm just curious what, the perception of advantage players is among casino staff from a, just from experientially, you know, are, are they known as assholes or are they known as, you know, like nice, nice people?
1: I would say they're seen as vigilantes. Like (laughs) I, I like to use that word when I talk about advantage players, like, uh, nobody wants to deal with them. Nobody, uh, I, I still, it crin- I cringe every time I hear it. I still hear the word cheater a lot. Mm-hmm. Not many, not many things about them being nice guys.
0: <laughs> yeah, man, it's tough. It's tough because, yeah, you know, Willie, he didn't, I don't think he meant it, but he kept saying, using the phrase, you know, card counters and cheaters, and he wasn't lumping them together. He was saying, well, in surveillance, when we have to deal with card counters and cheaters, but, you know, as an AP, it's like, please like put a hard pause or something <laughs> between, between those, or an or. But it's a tough thing because as, as yeah, yes, exactly. Yes. Or there you go. Um, but you know, it, it's a tough thing because I think we want to stand up for ourselves and say, Hey, I didn't do anything wrong, but you're kind of further encouraging, you know, that, that, we're less desirable if we're confrontational. So, you know, um, I, I think that's really brilliant advice to say, well, Hey, you don't want to be memorable anyway. Tommy Highland talks about like one of the things to his benefit is he, he's got a not very memorable face. And so he's able to go back to casinos over and over. You add to that not being a memorable back off. And that's, that seems really wise.
1: Yeah. That's what Tommy said all along is to not, not be memorable. And, when he gets backed off, he just says, okay. And then he leaves. And then, you know, he goes back a month later and nobody remembers who he is. Yeah.
0: That's smart. So you mentioned, uh, that in your early days you thumbed through the cards, uh, you know, when you suspected someone was counting cards, but, but there was a bluff. You didn't even really know. Um, and in that, in that case, as the story went, the the player got up and left and who knows why. Um, but, how often do you think this is the case? Do you think that this happens a lot that players are leaving because like a pit boss or floor supervisor just starts thumbing through the cars to see how the person's going to respond?
1: Yeah. Uh, maybe not necessarily that tactic specifically, but, but I know I've left for reasons that I probably shouldn't have left for, you know, uh, and people have this, uh, players have this fear of the phone, you know, got anytime the phone rings, got a, it's 90%, like 95% even likely that that call's not about you. Uh, So I, I would say that players leave too often all the time. Mm, That's good. Hey, you guys heard it from the source. You're leaving, (laughs) leaving too often.
0: I've done it. Any other things where you look back and you're like, Oh, okay.
1: That, you know, I, I should have played through that mainly just stuff with the phone and heat in general, especially when I was someplace where I knew I wasn't going to be back. Sometimes I would leave just to avoid a back off when in truth, like it didn't really matter if I got backed Mm -hmm. off, I was never going to go back anyway. That's good. Uh, even if I was there longer than I should have been there technically, Mm I I should have just stayed until the back off. Cool. I agree. Let's, let's get backed off guys.
0: Okay. um, (laughs) (laughs) um so of course one of the biggest topics our blackjack apprenticeship members want to hear more about has to do with cover and avoiding casino countermeasures uh one of the questions i had is when do casinos evaluate players when do they make that decision
1: when they're winning okay (laughs) well that's good to know okay seriously when a pattern of winning is noticed that's like the biggest red flag even if it has nothing to do with advantage play when uh, somebody is noticed mm. you know three or four times in a short amount of time winning they might call for an evaluation
0: so is is one of the smarter things that that we
1: can do is not not win too much at once well i mean you want to just i mean you want to play correctly you don't want to you don't want to leave positive shoe or anything like that but yeah but uh, back when I was playing, for example, when I, when I was worried about longevity, I would, on purpose, leave after a really bad run. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Even if I wasn't getting heat or anything like that, I would just leave after a really bad run to let my rating show a loss. Just let the pit bosses see that I get my butt kicked sometimes. Yeah. Uh, so that's not a bad idea if you're somewhere where you're worried about longevity. If you're playing rated. Right. Well, even if you're not... Hmm. Even if you're not, it's a it's a good idea to you know even if you're not playing rated, sometimes they still recognize you and they're like, oh, there's this guy that doesn't mm-hmm. want a card. Oh, he won again. Oh, He won again. Yeah, it's a good idea to let them see you lose once in a while if you're if you're playing somewhere where you want to keep playing. So,
0: um, probably some sort of stop limit on wins too. I, I I know it changes casino to casino, but you know there's got to be each casino must have a threshold where it's like, holy crap, this guy's up, you know, whatever it is, could be 5,000 at one casino, could be 20,000 at another, but where they say like, okay, what's good. I I mean, I know I got, I got pegged at, at um Red Rock because uh, it, I, I won 20,000 in like half an hour. They didn't, it was a different pit boss. Cause she didn't know that I had lost 20,000 the night before. So all she sees is me having this huge win. And then there's the call up to surveillance who just, all they had to do was look me up because I was playing rated as a known advantage player. Um, but uh, <laughs> you know, I'm assuming, you know, trying to avoid just like a, a huge upswing on a one shift.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, and really when you were playing rated, I was going to ask you if you were playing rated because what she should have done is gone and look at at your history mm. to see you know, how's he been doing that? That's kind of a move, not a move, but that's the procedure that a lot of people do is when they see somebody's winning, they'll go look at his history or her history and uh, just kind of see what they've, what they've been playing, like how they've been, how they've been doing. But, but there are thresholds where they have to call surveillance or call the manager, whether they're suspected advantage play or not. Like just if the guy's winning 5,000 or 10,000 or whatever, it must, whatever it be. Okay they have to call anyway, just to let them know that's going. Interesting. On. That's, that's common in every casino. Every casino has a mm-hmm. threshold.
0: And what about, at, at what point does a casino decide to look up a player in a database?
1: That's, that's up to surveillance. Okay. I mean, I, I like to, I mean, I could project and assume, but I, that's, that's just up to the individual person, whether okay. they check that out or not, and whether they're competent enough to do, to know to do that. Sure. That's interesting.
0: So in, in your experience how effective is having a, a clean ID meaning you know um, being able to play rated not
1: as a known uh, advanced player to, to be honest I I enjoyed playing when I was a clean player that uh, that didn't have any red flags or anything in on a rated card I enjoyed that because of the cops and stuff mm-hmm. I don't see any large-scale difference between that and playing without a card yeah I think, you know, it's just a matter of preference of what your priorities are and things like that.
0: Yeah, I, it's it's a question that is constantly coming up. And, you know, it's every year people think, well, now it's changed. But, you know, it's not that I haven't answered it before. I'm just wondering, well, now is it like, oh, well, yeah, 2019, you could play as a, you know, refusal. But 2020, no way. you're You're not going to get any time in.
1: Yeah. And... And I've even played on card players' cards that weren't mine, mm-hmm. and even those seemed seem to get flagged mm-hmm. uh, so i I prefer to just play without a card, but yeah. um like in the beginning when I was playing with clean cards i I don't really see a difference. Um, it's just a matter of what your priorities are if you were if you're in it for the comps and you want to try to accumulate that, but there's the risk involved, you know yep. So in
0: in uh, the Blackjack Insiders, you mentioned some key phrases that kind of set off alarms for the pit. Can you think of maybe a top two or three, uh, we'll call them triggers, that countermeasures were imminent, whether to
1: back off or you know something? Um, gee, I don't know. They've probably changed a little over the years. Which ones did I use in the book? Well, you just mentioned
0: that there were key phrases, and and so some of some of our people are saying, "Well, what are these key phrases?"
1: Oh, like when the floors are talking to each other?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Um, I don't know there were there were probably some back then, but you don't you don't hear as much about it from the supervisors anymore, just because they don't really. The supervisor's main job now is to just see and report, you know, and then anything after that, just, it doesn't fall on them. So I don't, I don't know if I could give any advice on things to listen for or anything like that. It's going to, it's going to be more the call to
0: surveillance that's, that's going to, you know, um, result in yeah, countermeasures. Uh,
1: I guess I would advise to take note of your table number, listen for that, mm. uh, know what spot you're in, listen for that, um, I've mentioned in a few different in a few different places that rarely can a floor supervisor make a call about you without looking at you. Yeah, they just can't do. Yeah. So, you know, those are three, three good little things to watch for. Cool. That's that's helpful.
0: Um, Any ideas of what could actually I know this probably falls more on surveillance, but I'll ask anyway, because I started any ideas what might actually throw off a review of of a card counters game?
1: No, because I mean, even if even if you have cover plays and stuff, if you're playing with an advantage, they're going to know and they're going to back you off. That's why I that's why I advise against cover plays. And I assume why yeah. you again, advise against yep. it too. Uh, a winning player is a winning player, no matter how many little cover plays. And if you do make enough cover plays to throw off surveillance, then you're not playing with an edge anyway. Yep. So.
0: Yeah, well, I, I, I got to admit, it was definitely some confirmation bias listening to you and Willie talk about talk about this stuff and you know he's he comes from a surveillance background and he said that um over 50% uh he he had a bunch of surveillance people I remember watching this at the World Game Protection Conference that I spoke at they were like counting down a deck and he said over 50% failed counting down a deck of cards of course some of it probably was it might have been during a happy hour and they're having some drinks and they're probably trying to go really fast but regardless like half of them couldn't count down a deck of cards. Go ahead. Well, I guess my thought listening to that is if a surveillance worker isn't effective uh, at, at really analyzing a skilled player, why would you use cover plays that, that you know, they're not even going to notice or, or they might, you know, even not even be aware you're just costing yourself money, hoping someone happens to be smart enough to know
1: that it was actually a mistake that you made. Exactly, exactly. And uh, to, to be fair to the surveillance techs, uh, full reviews are they use a software where they don't have to make decisions like that, and they don't have to have the know. Yeah. Um, but but that's usually where it starts. Before a full review is a rundown, which is an eye test, basically. And most most people don't have the know how to. To administer the eye test.
0: Mm-hmm. So I wanted to talk about this surveillance software. Um you you called it quote necessary, but knowledge a knowledgeable human is better. And and you told the story of someone that uh the casino kept kept let playing because they did not get evaluated during a negative a negative shoe. And and you know, it's like, well, you know, a human would be like, Oh, he's just avoiding negative shoes. But uh how yeah. And does... not getting
1: the negative shoes.
0: Yeah. Uh huh. So, does does a person run this software, or does it run on its own?
1: A person runs it. Uh, it's ran by uh, voice activation. Like they use their voice to plug in the values of the cards and the and the moves and whatnot.
0: Yeah. How long does it take to run a, a full report?
1: It's not as much about the time as it is about the the full scope of the play like they need a they need a well-rounded like they need to see the negative counts and the positive counts and the you know they need to see like all aspects of the play it's not as much about time okay so
0: yeah i think it's another one of these you know among a, like card counters or or even prospective card counters is like well now there's software but but you're saying it takes time and it takes kind of a skilled enough person running it
1: to to do a, a proper evaluation yes and it and it to my knowledge it can't be done live just because of the time that it takes to do it so they have to use mm-hmm. old tape and you said that uh it's expensive too like not
0: all casinos have the money for this, what size casino is needed to justify
1: this kind of software? I don't know if it's about size. I would, I would think that a small tribal casino might have more money to spend than a large, you know, not tribal, you know, it just depends on the, on the place. And I think when I talked about that, I was more referring to the facial recognition software than the invoice Uh, software. mm -hmm. Just to be clear. Yeah. Well,
0: yeah. Well, fortunately for advanced players, not all casinos can afford, the facial recognition software plus you know it's not foolproof i think we talked about that before
1: it's certainly not yeah
0: so uh this has been great uh, so far um i've got a handful more questions if, if you're not a, yeah i've got a few more if you've if you've got the time uh what absolutely and these are all from the, these last ones i think are all from our our members one of them is what would you say are some of the biggest misconceptions that counters believe that are totally false?
1: Well, the biggest one is that the supervisor and the dealer know what they're looking for. Yeah. That's, that's the biggest one. I mean, there's a fear of, of the supervisor watching when realistically there's probably should be no fear at all of the supervisor watching unless you're in my section.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Um, Um, and you know, we kind of just touched on it, but how worried should APs be about facial recognition
1: or, or the future of it? I wouldn't worry about it. You know, a lot of, a lot of players worry about being identified and stuff, but you know, Willie and I talk about it all the time that we're more watching the play than the person. Mm. Like, well, most, most people will try to evaluate the play before they even run, try or attempt to run a facial recognition. That's good. Uh, it's it's more about it's more about the the sample the play than than it is about the identity and the face.
0: That's good. You guys heard it heard it from uh, someone more knowledgeable about this stuff than me. So, uh, any any exceptional cover plays or acts that you've seen over the years?
1: Um, that, no cover plays because, like, I mean, you know, we've just gone in circles about cover plays. But I've seen a few acts that are pretty good. These just these two guys that came in and were just buddies and they were drunk or, you know, my my quote quotation marks in the air. They were drunk and kept j- jumping in on each other's game uh-huh. and stuff like that. That was a pretty. It was a pretty good one. I um, wasn't fooled by it, but it was entertaining to watch. Uh, maybe some other people were fooled, by it. Mm. it's hard to it's hard to for me to comment on good acts because I usually know when they're acts. <laughs> yeah, uh, I heard a story about a good one that was a married couple that, uh, the, where the guy was like teaching the girl how to play, you know, again, the quote marks in the air uh-huh. teaching her how to, to play. And then they just destroyed this table. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, was she the one betting the big money? Yeah. Yeah. He wasn't even betting. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I c- might ask you when we're not recording about the people that were air quote drunk, because I'm wondering if there's people that I know, uh, that would make the story even better. Um, <laughs> if you had your AP career to do over, anything you would do differently?
1: I'd try to maybe build my bankroll a little more and take a little a little less out, like in paydays, so I could bet larger amounts. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have liked to be able to jump up to that next denomination. You know, the black chip action that I never really. I never really got to, I was always in the, the green chip minimums. I would have liked to have been able to go to the next level and I could have probably done that if I'd save, if I'd reinvested instead of taking bigger paydays.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's such a tough, it's a tough thing when you're, when you're living off of it or, or even, you know, um, because we're using it to get somewhere else. And so that means spending the money, but yeah, when, when you can grow that bankroll, that's really how you can, uh, generate the higher EV levels. Uh, Someone wanted to know if if you think you'd encourage or discourage your son from either advantage play or working for casinos.
1: I would encourage either. Uh, Yeah. I think there's probably, (laughs) I mean, there's no question there's money, more money to be made playing than working in a casino, depending on your level of play, but uh, and I've kind of gotten into a little bit of blackjack stuff with him. He's get old enough now where he can keep track of the cards and uh, mm-hmm. stuff like that. So yeah, I would, I would encourage him more to be a player than to work in a casino. Cause it's not a lifestyle. A lot of people can handle.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's, that's awesome. We should, uh, my son can count down a deck. He wants to learn basic strategy, but I've said, well, you're 12, you know, you got plenty of time to learn that, but maybe we should get, get, uh, get the boys together for some blackjack training by the time they're 21. I mean, yeah. We could put a team together. <laughs> that's right. That's right. The The next generation. I love it. Yeah. I mean, what I, what I always tell people for, for my kids is I want to figure out, you know, what, what they're going to be best at and what fits their personalities. And if that's advantage play and they can handle it, I'm, I'm all for it, but I'm not going to just assume because that was a good fit for me. That's going to be a good fit for them. There's a lot of ways to make a living. Yeah. Yeah. So to wrap it up, here's kind of my, my last question. You wrote a really interesting article about how card counters could actually be good for business. Can you kind of summarize
1: that? Yeah. Uh, it, it's kind of a point I've always made is that, you know, too, too much goes into catching them and preventing them when really a lot of them could actually be playing, not even with an edge, right? We talk about under players and yes. players that don't know how to structure their bets, um, players that don't learn the index numbers, don't fully learn the craft. They don't learn the true count. There's lots of players out there that just do running count,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I've seen players get backed off like that. And it's just, you know, let the guy stay. He's the perfect customer. He yep. thinks he's going to win and he's, <laughs> <laughs> so there's a lot of, there's a fine line between a card counter and the perfect customer. Yeah. And that that line gets blurred with a lot not to mention it's nice a a little just side thing is it's nice to for other players to see people win card counters win and sometimes sometimes they win in extravagant fashion right and it's fun to watch maybe they'll stay a little bit longer and think hey maybe I could do that yeah of course they can't but (laughs) (laughs) no I I mean I I I
0: tend to agree with you I know that of course I'm biased but uh, I appreciate what Willie said that he said I'm going to take the time to really evaluate a player and you know I, I think that he said that extra half hour really you know what's what's the cost to a casino? and I think there's probably a lot of uh, I mean, I remember a boot camp a guy bragging about all the backoffs he had and he he had far from a winning game and then he told us a year later how he'd lost a hundred thousand dollars you know and and it was not because of negative variance. it was because he was a horrific gambler who knew, To change his bets, you know, with whatever count he had in his head. (laughs) But he's getting all these back offs. These casinos, you know, the casinos that didn't back him off uh, actually profited, you know, nicely off of this guy. Yeah,
1: there's lots of players like that. You know, I mentioned the ones that are improperly trained, but there are ones that are properly trained that are just gamblers. You know, maybe they did learn the whole system and the true count, but they can't control their emotions. And when the count gets high, they throw it all out there. Or even when the count gets low, sometimes you you see chasers, even though they know not to do that, they just, you know, some people can't control their emotions and players like that. You want to keep around too. The casino would want to keep around. Yeah. Yep. Well, it's, it's a tough
0: job. Uh, even when you have the skills, it's a tough job to do. Um, and you know, it is what it is with casinos, how they react to perceived advantage players. Um, you know, I understand it's a business for them. It's a business for us. If, if there's anything I uh, wish I could, you know, change, it's just how casinos and car counters treat each other. And of course I've experienced more negative, you know, I don't think I've ever, I, I used to play with a teammate that when he was losing, he'd kind of start belittling a dealer and it, it was tough to watch. But aside from that, I, I, you know, I've never yelled it during a back offer or anything, but I've definitely been, you know, cussed out i've had you know 15 security guards circle me like i'm you know some threat or whatever Um, but i appreciate that you're taking such a kind of business mind you've played both sides you know both sides and you've taken that kind of uh ev first or uh business first approach to both sides of the game so appreciate your input
1: well it's in my mind it's the only way to do it but we can get that message out there. That's right. Well, uh, it was a little scary hearing,
0: (laughs) hearing that Willie had read, read my book. Um, but you know, uh, I don't, I don't really think it's, it's moved the needle as far as, you know, uh, slowing down card counting, but, uh, maybe we can get that message out there about treating each other with, with dignity and respect in the casinos. If they ever open again.
1: That's sort of the point, right? I mean, that even though your book is out there and, and my book is out there and we're both saying the same thing, they're probably not moving the needles. Even for the, even for the execs and the supervisors and the managers that do read it, it's probably not moving the needle, which is sort of my whole grand point.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, that's good for, uh, for advantage players to hear, you know, casinos are slow, slow to learn and they're doing fine. You know, if you look at their, the revenues they are doing just fine. But, uh, I liked what you said that, that, um, it seems like the advantage players are the ones that are, um, kind of uh, learning faster or adapting faster than casinos are. And that's, that's good for my business.
1: <laughs> it's well, it's the truth. I can only speak from what I've seen and that's what I've seen. Awesome.
0: Any uh, any any final thoughts? Any any uh, ways people can you know? What do you think? Should advantage players listen to the
1: Dropbox or or should they not? I think there's there's valuable stuff in there. You know, we're not always going to be talking about things that uh, advantage players can get th- something out of, but but there are there's some valuable things in there. And I do know of some players that listen to the podcast just if nothing else. It's good to know what's going on on the other side, whether it relates to you or not. Uh, so yeah, the Dropbox is good for everybody.
0: Okay. Well, I'm trying to think of anything you can promote. You got to let us know when you, when your next book is done and and we'll get a huge plug for it, send it out to everyone. And uh, But I really appreciate you taking the time to to share with us. And, and like I said, really appreciate your approach, uh, kind of a level-headed, reasonable approach to, you know, both how casinos should be run and uh, advantage play. So thanks for your time.
1: Yeah, thank thank you too. I uh, you know I appreciate your attitude towards the casinos as well, and your you know your manners, and your wanting to learn what's going on on the other side. That's that's appreciated too. And uh, as far, as far as plugs go, I could plug my website if that's okay. It's andrewyule.com. Yeah, uh, check out the content and subscribe and get all the latest stuff that I'm putting out. Uh, sometimes there's stuff in there that you could maybe learn something from and see what's going on on the on the other side, just like the Dropbox. Well, I'll let you know
0: your your website is, is already discussed on our forum. But for those but for those who aren't on our forum, uh, absolutely check that out and you know, we appreciate appreciate you, appreciate uh, your ideas and what you're putting out there. So thanks again for your time. Thanks a
1: lot, Carl. It's been it's been a blast. I'll come back anytime. Awesome.